2.0. I am the Dan. And I am Stein. <laughs> with me with me is Rob Callum. We don't know where Callum is today. He uh you know, it's late where he lives, so he might be curled up in the fetal position, sucking on his thumb with his blankie right now. We're not real sure. Yeah, he's probably dreaming. Dreaming about helicopters. Uh, about his pretty girlfriend. Yeah, no kidding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We might as well just go right into So what have you been up to, Rob? What's been going on the last couple weeks? Uh, Week and a half, I guess it's been since we put a show. Sorry. I was trying to rehash the whole throttled in the throat thing, but it didn't work. Uh-uh. Didn't work without Callum here. No. What have I been up to lately? Not flying my helicopter. Why not? Uh, I don't know, man. The world just creeped in on me, I guess. Um... I don't know. You know, I had uh, mentioned before how my wife went to Florida for a week and I stayed home, Mm -hmm. um, took a week off of work and stayed home with the kids and stuff like that. Right. um, It was fun. And then after she got back, you know, I went back into the normal swing of things and stuff. And I just haven't – I used to always bring my helicopter up to work and stuff like that. And recently we we moved some stuff around and I got a bigger office and – but – (laughs) <laughs> the funny thing is it's it's farther away from the back door, so it's more cumbersome for me to carry a 500-size helicopter and a transmitter through a cube maze to get to the door to go outside to fly it. So I just... Put, well, is it more cumbersome, or is there just more people for you to walk by to go, <laughs> look at the hell he that thing he's got? <laughs> no, it's it's a little of both, I think, you know? I don't know. Actually, you know, it, the cool thing is that everybody in the, in, in my building where I work it thinks that it's the coolest thing you know that right. you know when you're, I fly, you're, like, you're Rob the heli guy I'm That's the heli yeah I'm the heli guy so it's right. you know there's no like HR's not going to send me an email about you know bringing non-work things to work or whatever you know so I'm not worried about that kind of thing but it's just I don't know it's just it's getting it, it gets cumbersome so I haven't brought it to I used to I mean I get most of my flying done at work you know because I'm there all the time and mm-hmm. so I haven't brought it so I haven't flown a lot and um Poor thing's just staring at me on the wall, but uh, having a good time um, putting that uh, Fusion 50 together. You know, that's oh. cool. Yeah. Sending me a little bit of heli porn every now and again. Yeah, yeah, little little morsels. Little tidbits. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's turning out to be a really fun build, Dan. You know, thanks for yeah. letting me do it for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to giving it a shot. I, uh, I just I look at the pictures, and I like building just as much as the next guy, you know. And I, I actually enjoy the shit out of it. But I figured this: you've got you have more of a 
geekish nature, <laughs> for lack of better words, when it comes to documenting these steps. And I think that uh, I just think it's you know it's, I think you know the reason we did it, as you and I both know, because we discussed it, is so we could just have a look at at the build in a detailed process. Mm-hmm. And you know the helicopter's been out there for a while. It's not like it's a new heli or anything, but right. You know, it's just one more, you know, another perspective on on that build. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. I can't wait to see some videos of it flying. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. keep it there and get a week or two of flying in on it and get your thoughts and get some videos on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody likes heliporn, so I'm taking all kinds of close-up shots and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, just different angles. And, and, you know, I've got a bunch of videos I've, I've already made. I have I've not edited anything or looked at anything yet. I'm just busy building, you know, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, as parts come in, I, I can integrate those in. And mm-hmm. um, whole frames built. I got all the servos in it. Um, got the beast decks mounted. I got the receiver mounted. Um, that speed controller's on the way. So once that gets here, I'll be able to solder everything up and get that mounted. Get the packs all married together. And um, gosh, if I play my cards right, I might be able to actually fly it this weekend. That's true. And do you want to hear kind of a dog chasing its tail kind of story about that ESC? Yeah, yeah, I know. We, I know. It, you know, I've got just about everything else, but I've been waiting for that. You know that yes. Well, as we all know, uh, you know, Kessel has its recall, and I had an ADHV for for it. Yeah. Um, and well, I, it wasn't actually mine; it was actually Callum's. But uh, he was going to let me use it uh, until he needed it, um, and then I was just going to get another one. But in the meanwhile, we sent it in quite a while ago. I'm guessing dang near two months ago, seven weeks, five, six, anyway, quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And so we were thinking that maybe it'll show up. But as, you know, we got parts, as, as I got parts to Rob for the for the build, kind of came down to the, well, the only thing we're waiting on is the is the ESC. <laughs> yeah. So I get to look in and I, I find one on the forums. And I get excited because I'm thinking, sweet, this is it. This is the last... The last of the, you know, high dollar stuff. The rest of it's just little odds and ends, no biggie. Now, was that one of those? It was it like the V, the new V two with the red, the V two ESC then, or it's yeah, a, it was, it was a, the ADHV Ice two with the red logo on it. Okay. One that had one that had been sent in and returned supposedly. Yeah. So I purchased it and I paid a little more than what you generally see these going for. But I think the guy kind of realized that the situation he was in where. You know, all these people who were screaming about the uh, Castle ESCs and swearing up, yeah. swearing up and down that they would never use them. Well, you, you try to find one of those sons of bitches online. Yeah, somewhere. they're out of stock everywhere right now. You know, it's funny how so many people wanted to jump ship, but now everybody's mm-hmm. buying them out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I ordered it. I, I called the guy. All right. Went ahead and made arrangements with him and uh, didn't didn't hear anything from him. That's a week ago. Yeah. Okay. Send him a couple PMs, no, no response. And today, finally get an email, and he tells me, he tells me he's waiting for the ESC from Castle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I'm waiting for my ESC, thinking it's going to be a while. And I see you have one for sale, thinking you have it in your hands. So I buy it from you, thinking that you know well, mine may it, show yeah. up any old day. But in the in, in the meantime, I'll have. Turn, you know, talk about a dog chasing its tail and just talk, a no-win situation. It's a, it's a, talk about, like, yeah, yeah, friends of irony for sure, man. 
<laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> you know, I. So what'd you do about that then? Did you just well, cash back or what? Yeah, I did. I, I talked to him and, um, I, you know, I don't necessarily blame him. I mean, I think maybe he should have made sure he had it in his hands before. Yeah, just probably something that just didn't get covered, you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think he was a little misled with the packing slip that he got in the email. Um, you know, I think they just put a date on it, the day you inquire, and then they just hold on to that slip, and when they get an ESC to put on that slip, they should ship it. Yeah, when they can fill the box, they send the box. Yeah, so, because I have one as well. I mean, I have the exact same slip he's got, and my date says, like, 9.20 for memory. I, I don't know exactly, so. Yeah. A while ago. <laughs> so anyway, I just said to him, I said, look, I, I'm going to need a refund because I, I need to have this money ready in case something comes by. I said, but if it shows up in the next day or two, by all means, I'll just ship that money right back to you and we'll and we'll do it. You know? Nice. Okay. No, yeah. So no harm, no foul. You know, he's got a pretty good record on Hilly Freak. Uh, yeah, cool. You know, but so he, that's funny you got yourself wrapped up in that whole thing. <laughs> like, I'm waiting for a speed controller. So, okay, I'm going to go buy another one. But the one I bought, I'm, I actually just bought a place in line behind the place in line I already had. <laughs> right. So, so then I went on eBay and found one, and uh, you'll have it probably Friday. He's going to ship it out tomorrow, and I told him to overnight it. Perfect. So you'll have it on Friday. Well, that works. Yeah, and then the last of the little bits will be there. Straps, just the small stuff, bullets, stuff you need like that. should be about the same day. So sweet. You might be able to fly it this weekend. Well, I'll make sure to video the, the, the maiden and the crash, and then I'll send you all the parts in a nice small box. <laughs> small box. So the shipping, the shipping will be less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Might, you might be able to fit it all. You know, just make sure you crash it good enough that you can fit it in one of those those all-purpose, like, medium-sized boxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it fits, it ships. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and if it doesn't, I'll just I'll make it fit. There Don't you worry. go. Sledgehammer. Yeah. Trash compactor. Well, and you know, if you want, what I could do is I can just keep those Opti Power Packs. It's going to get cold here soon, Dan. You saw that thread about that guy. He just had them sitting in his beer mugs, and the one went up. In the yeah, night, right? I did see that, yeah. You know, I maybe could turn the heater off and just use those. Yeah, well, you know, you might as well if you busted up bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really been up to much. I did have one kind of negative experience. I've been flying, as usual. You know, of course, the weather's starting to turn, and if you guys listen close enough and I can get Rob to shut up long enough... You might be able to hear the rain. It's been raining for damn near two days here, nonstop. Nice. It's not supposed to stop until Friday. Really? However, this weekend it's supposed to be sunny. So needless to say, I haven't been at the field very much. But last weekend at the field, <laughs> long story short, I bought a plank. I bought a plane, an extra 300, extra 330 from a club member. She, and she told me it cost $250 to replace it. That's what she wanted for it. And so a couple of the guys see it after I build it. They like it. They're interested in the club buying a plane similar to it for the club uh, Christmas auction. Oh, yeah, like for like a raffle or something? Yeah. And so how much was it? Uh, well, it was $250. Yeah, well, the chick told you 250 bucks, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're standing there this weekend, two new club members. 14 or 15 regular club members and me and her. And out of the blue, she says to me in front of all of these people, she says to me, you lied to everybody about the price of that plane. What? <laughs> what? I, dude, I was just, I was, I was, uh, I, 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 uh, uh, you were doing what you were doing right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, what, what do you, I said, well, what do you mean, Eileen? Didn't it, 
didn't it tell, didn't you tell me it was $250 to replace it? She says, well, yeah, but it's also, it's now, it's gone up uh, to 300 plus. You also didn't say that I saved you $50 for shipping. Oh, I see how it is. So she, she didn't think to tell you that the number she told you was the number she got just for you. It's like a me, you thing. Well, or maybe, oh, I don't know. Even if it was a me, you thing, the fact that she did that in front of everybody tried to make me look like, yeah, one, yeah, buddy, and and two that I'm just a scrub. Right. I, I was pissed. I almost quit the club on the spot. Uh, I literally just walked away, got on my scooter, and rode away. <laughs> <laughs> did you cry a little bit? Yeah, a tear. I don't know if you remember the commercial of the Indian sitting up on the mountainside, looking down on the highway with all the all the traffic and the garbage and trash. This is way old, like 70s. A lot of you will remember this. You younger guys won't. Just looking down at all the garbage and one little solo tear just rolls down his cheek. That was me, totally, as I was motoring back in my little electric scooter back to my trailer. You're like, I'm out of here, and you turn around, and then you sit down, and you settle in and for it to warm up, and then you, you hit it forward, and he's like, <laughs> I'm out of here. No, I was like, I'm out of here. Do a 12-point turn to get turn <laughs> to get turned <laughs> Funny. Well, no. I mean, so I mean, is the club going to buy one of those for the thing anyway, or what? I don't. I don't know. I actually am on the committee to to come up with gifts for that, and um, I may vote it, vote yes for it, just to piss her off. <laughs> yeah. She's the club secretary. Is the deal? And I did mention that I was thinking about running for club president. I've changed my mind. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm going to run for club secretary now. Because <laughs> someone needs to be dethroned. There you go. Anyway, that's kind of what, how my weekend went uh, last weekend at the field. And um, really kind of put a bummer on the whole thing. You know, I really enjoyed going out there. I, I got along really well with everybody. And um, it's the first negative experience I've had. Yeah, politics and never, you know, gels with flying very well. So I'm hoping this weekend. It's supposed to be pretty good. We'll, we'll probably get some flying in this weekend. But um, Cool. Cool. So how's work? Oh wait, you don't have to work. <laughs> yeah, nice. Works 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 tough, man. <laughs> no, I, I get up at about eleven thirty in the morning, and and then I, you know, I sit there and scratch my balls, <laughs> and watch <laughs> watch court TV, and uh, watch the Michael Jackson thing <laughs> till about noon thirty. And then, noon thirty, yeah. Feed the cats, load the truck up, and go fly. Then I, yeah, get up and give the cats some food and water. Make sure Buddy's got food and water. Oh, my drug dealer's here. Did you guys hear that? Hardship Enterprise land or what? <laughs> and then uh, what else do I do on my busy day? I, I come. Oh, that's one thing I'm doing. One thing that's going on. I'm uh, one of the old guys at the club has a had. Well, has had. It's in my possession. So no, he had. Now I have a 450 SA ARF. ARF. Dude, I'm telling you, aluminum frames. This thing is silent. <laughs> Nice. That's boss. Dude, it rocks. I have been working on that thing, and I got to tell you, I spent three hours just getting the goddamn servos into the frame. Oh, I bet. I bet. What a pain in the ass that thing is to work on. Everything is so small. I hate small helicopters. If yeah. I ever, I had a RAID 450 for a while. You know, I was able to put the servos in during the build process, so I didn't have that experience. And I literally force myself to work on it for about 15 minutes at a time. 
I just hate it. I just they're so tinkery though. The smaller ones are real tinkery. You know, it's going to be fun to watch watch Bill try to fly it. I think it's wild that that bird is almost getting ready to be a vintage bird. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen older 450s that were mechanical. Yeah, the mechanical mix ones, the old gray plastic frame ones. Yeah, this yeah. one I was happy to see wasn't mechanical. It is a CCPM. I did order some Mavericks for it, though, so I got some Mavericks coming for it. Yeah, speaking of Mavericks. Speaking of Mavericks. <laughs> so the other day, Rob and I were sitting around, as we do, bullshitting about helicopters. And we just we were thinking, what can we do? What can we do to show our appreciation to listeners? And I thought, you know, I'm going to call over to HeliPros, talk to Kurt, and see if he's interested in doing something. Don't know what, but we'll, we'll talk. We'll figure it out when I talk to him. So I talked to him, and he was all excited about it. And he, you know, he just recently, the Maverick Blades have been voted the number one blade by a wide margin, 95%, in HeliPilot. Which I do subscribe to, by the way. I don't know. Yeah, I saw that Heli Pilot magazine. Yeah. 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 And so he was thinking, what a great opportunity to allow listeners of the show to win these blades. And it's not just any blade. It's it's any blade of your choice. It's not like it's a set blade. I mean, you actually, uh, if all you have is a 450, you win you, those. Yeah. You win those. You call them up, and you can go fly barless. You can go fly barred. However you want to do it, if it's, uh, if it's you know, any, any Maverick blade they make, you can win. So, so it's like a shopping spree for one item, but you can pick any of them. Exactly. Nice. So what's going to, what, what, you know, as far as getting the blade, it doesn't matter if you're ordering from uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, you won't have to pay for shipping. Um, you'll just you'll just get on their webpage, enter in the, the code that is given to you. Yeah, we'll get like a super secret magic code. Yep. Exactly, and um, you know, you go to the checkout, you order whatever you need for your heli, and then add on the blades. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you'll, your blades will come come free of charge. Yeah, uh, you know, that's really cool. The heli Pros is going to do that for us. Yeah, yeah it is. So Good. we've been kind of wondering how we're how are we going to do this. Yeah, well, you know, I think the way that we should handle it, I think what will work best is. Uh, on the next show, I, I think well, it'll probably be the next show or, or, or one of the next two shows. We'll we'll talk about when it is, but um, we'll uh, we'll come up with some sort of uh, like a secret sound or a secret uh, uh, phrase, um, and then uh, when you tune into the show and you listen, when you hear that phrase, the idea is that you have to email that um, to us, either Rob or Dan or Callum at rclnation.com, um, and then you're entered in to win the blades um and also you'd want to like us on facebook um because then all the entries that emailed us the uh the secret sound or maybe we'll ask a question on the show um and you email us the answer um and are also uh on facebook they also like us on facebook then you're entered in the contest and then when the contest is over we'll draw that uh that name we'll we'll announce it on the next show um, and then we'll just email you that uh, that secret code so you can buy your blades. That's right. So to kind of go over that, there's two things that need to happen for you to win these blades. First, you have to listen to the show. And I'm guessing it's going to be show number six because I'm thinking at the end of October. And yeah. it's right at the beginning. So we'll most likely – it'll either be I'm, – I'm guessing two shows from now. It'll be the, the show that's right at the end of October or the first of November. Because we, you know, we don't want to just you know 
shooter load, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the first person after the show's released that emails us with the phrase and is also on our Facebook wins the blades. Boom. Sounds easy to me. I think that's a pretty good deal. And, you know, let me just say thanks to, you know, the guys at Heli Pros. You know, I use them all the time. I love those guys. I've had my criticisms of them, but I still use them. And, you know, they, they're a great shop. Yeah, and, yeah, when you dumped on the checkout page. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that story. Yeah, I heard STFU. <laughs> STFU. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and look forward to that. And, you know, we're thinking of some other things along this line. Uh, just Just think giveaways and think puzzles. Multiple show puzzles. That's all I'm going to say for now. It'll be interesting and it'll be fun, but it, the, the the effort for those of you who are into it, it's really going to pay off because we're talking, you know, top of the line kits, all that kinds of kits. character. Yeah, exactly. Maybe even a GI Joe. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's time for a little bit of news, Rob. What do you think? News of the day. News of the day. Paula Bell, and you're listening to RC Heli Nation. I, I saw it on a Facebook page. One of the retailers is saying that the Goblin SAB is going to be available roughly about Christmas, right along the same lines as the Gowie X7. Dude, I saw that. Yeah, that Goblin looks uh, looks kind of cool. Of course, most of us most of us saw the video. Uh, yeah, the, the Tariq robot video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's—I mean, the guy—the guy could fly a rubber band-powered helicopter and make it look amazing. But nonetheless, when you take a close look at that goblin, and you know, it's—it's it's hard to find a nice, good close-up picture of it. But there are a few. And when you take a close look at it, it's, what intrigues me about that helicopter is the uniqueness of it. It really looks unique. It so. does. Yeah, you know, like FAI guys—they have the. Uh, yeah, purpose-built fuselages for you know doing FAI flights and stuff like that. But this is a 3D helicopter, but it's got like a one, like a unibody kind of design, yeah. you know, with the, the full frame all the way down to the tail box, you know, or the full canopy, I guess, all the way down to the tail box. And I think that's that's pretty cool, pretty cool how they, how, you know, how they did that. So I only wonder how much that thing's going to cost. I could only imagine. Yeah, I don't know. That's got to be an expensive helicopter, but it's hard to say. I'm still set on an X7. I will definitely be getting an X7 when they become available. Yeah, I think I, it's cool. I've already let uh, David anything Heli know that uh, if he doesn't let me know when the pre-orders come out, I'm going to drive to Fargo, slash his tires, something, put Metamucil in his coffee. Oh. <laughs> something to that effect. I don't know. But I'm definitely going to get my hands on one of those. Yeah. There's a, uh, a Heli Freak user that's... Um come up with a kind of a homebrew design for a dual satellite adapter for the Beast X, the Micro Beast. Right. Now, this isn't um, it's it's not a diversity type board, you know, it doesn't uh, perform any sort of logic between the two satellite receivers and grab the strongest of the two signals or anything like that, but what it, it, it what it does do is it's an active switcher, so it'll switch between the two signals, and if it sees that one of the signals uh, is gone for uh, X amount of time, it'll switch to the other satellite receiver uh, and retain, you know, 
uh, a link, right, between the helicopter and, and the radio. So Right, so it's more of a redundancy as opposed to a diversity type system. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it looks pretty cool. So I've been talking with him about that. I'm going to uh, pick one of those up from him and, and, you know, kind of test it out. And um, by all rights, they've said that um, the, the ones that they've been testing – uh, have, they haven't had any failures yet, you know. That they just work, but I want to get one, you know. I'm going to check it out. And... Uh, I was looking on uh, RC Haley Resource the other day, or actually not the other day, just today, and uh, a helicopter that I uh, Rob tells me he's heard of. I've never heard of it, but I, you know, like Rob said, I live in my trailer, so I don't get out much. The Banshee, two hundred and forty-two point five kilometers per hour. Yeah, that's one hundred and fifty miles an hour. That tops the Chicken Hawk. And we all know that I refer to the chicken hawk as the uh, rigid. Yeah, the Henslet, the TDR, yeah. 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 That's crazy fast for a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uber fast. So I, not knowing anything about this helicopter, I wanted to kind of look more into it and uh, went to the webpage only to find out it's in German and I don't speak any Deutsch. Speak any Deutsch? I don't know. I don't, I don't speak it, whatever it is. Schnitzel the copter. <laughs> Schnitzel the copter. So, so Callum, what do you got? Callum. Oh, that's Hello. Right. <laughs> Callum is sleeping today. Oh, oh, yes, that's right. He's counting sheep, so he's not with us. So um, that's about it for news. Really not a lot going on. Yep. You can listen to me eat my cookie right after the gas station. Yeah. You like to you like people to eat your cookies, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so guess who? Uh, well, you know because you were there, but those who are listening don't. But we got the opportunity to talk with Colin Bell for quite some time the other day. I appreciated his candor. And yeah, I think he's guys, a pretty bad guy. Yeah, I think you guys will enjoy this interview. And by the magic of the interwebs, Callum will suddenly appear. Commercial. Commercial. Guess who we have with us today? Who's that? Colin Bell. Nice. You guys, have you guys heard of Colin Bell? Yes. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Colin, say hi. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. So yeah, we're gonna t- sit here and talk with Colin a little bit about his uh, video I saw of you um, recently on Heli Freak. Actually, yesterday I saw it. Uh, looking to me like you, I think you're. From watching the video, it appears to me that you absolutely hate Align helicopters because you're beating the piss out of that electric helicopter. <laughs> yeah. 708. Right. I didn't realize it made it to Holly Freak. Actually, I just put that on Facebook two days ago now, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, out on the weekend with a girlfriend. She had the video camera, so I got her to shoot a video. She did a fantastic job keeping up with you because that looked – yeah, because uh, – Man, that thing, it looked like a 450, Rob was just mentioning. It looked like a 450 just flying around. Just Yeah, that thing was quick. Yeah, it's pretty badass. That was uh, with the, I guess it's not that new, new to me, 530 KV motor. I had the stock uh, 481 in there for a while. So. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah that motor's a beast. Powerful. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Most everybody's familiar with Colin Bell. I mean, he's been around a long time, flew for uh, Thunder Tiger for quite some time. Or How long did you fly for... Uh, I flew with Thunder Tiger for uh, probably 
sponsorship-wise, about eight or nine years, but I had been flying it since I got into the hobby, actually. My dad got me started with a shuttle uh, for my grade six grading presence. I was like 11 years old, and uh, flew that for a year, then got a Raptor 30 V1 and was was uh, all Thunder Tiger up until uh, last year this time, actually. Uh, now I'm currently flying with a line. And uh, ironically, it's actually the same group of guys, just a different helicopter. So, so it's very, very familiar, and it's it's nice to be, be flying something new and refreshing. Yeah. So, what uh, you mentioned, you're 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 a fairly young guy, 22, I believe, is what we found. Actually, just turned 23. Ah, very nice. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> so you uh, you've been flying helicopters a long time. How did you 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 got your start in the RC world through your your dad? Is yeah. that what you're... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Since I was... Actually, since I've been alive, he's had RC stuff. Uh, yeah. Had airplanes at first, uh, I think when I was three or four, he got... Actually, it wouldn't have been his first helicopter, but the first helicopter that I ever saw him build was an XL custom gas machine. I was like three or four years old at the time. And uh, always wanted a helicopter, but, you know, being young and not not being able to maintain it and really understand it and learn how to fly it. He put me onto airplanes when I was probably six, five or six. I'd been out to the field with him many, many years before. I shouldn't say many years. A couple of years before that, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just with the family hanging out, we'd go up uh, to my grandfather's cottage, and uh, there were some fields right off to the side of that. So I've been around it my entire life. I've been doing helicopters for about 12 years, and I've been doing it competitively for seven or eight years. Very good. And... Also, you can we can kind of uh, distinguish from your accent that you are from Canada. Oh come on, dude, give me a break! <laughs> I have, actually, out of out of the three of us, I have like the second weakest accent. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you say that actually because uh, the first couple years I went down to the states, forever getting made fun of for how I said out and doubt, mm-hmm. uh, just stupid little words, and I made it a point that when I go down there to kind of change the way I talk a little bit just so they don't yeah. I don't get made fun of as much like it's back everyone notices hey you're you well, differently what's up well you know you and I we talked uh, for a few hours the other day and uh, one thing I can say is I don't think I heard you say a once the whole conversation no you know what I usually say huh instead huh. of being <laughs> did you know you know how I'm sure you've heard this joke but you know how Canada got its name right negative C A N A D A. Okay, enough of the Canada. <laughs> we love our Canada neighbors, just okay. to the north. Might of as well be the same country. Might as well be. Now you're flying for a line, and you spent some time in Taiwan recently. Yes. What were you doing over in Taiwan? I was at the, uh, the Taiwan Cup for the line fun fly, as they call it. It was their eighth annual, I believe. First time I've been over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to get there a couple days early and do a tour of the factory and and all that fun stuff, but uh, getting there was an absolute headache. The airline got me there a day and a half late, lost my bags until the day I left, and actually, the morning I got them, uh, the bags were broken. I shouldn't say the bags, just my helicopter case, but nonetheless, the helicopter case had no wheels on it, so I was lugging around this 50-pound thing with no wheels. It was all right. Um, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, have Danny lend me his helicopter and his clothes for the weekend, so it wasn't all bad. Um, and it was actually really nice, believe it or not, to be able to crash a helicopter and then not have to fix it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's, here's your helicopter back. Deal with that for the next day. Sorry it's in pieces, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, it was actually, I felt really bad because he had to fly uh, two people after me. And uh, we scrambled to get Alan's helicopter ready. He had all, we ended up getting that helicopter ready real quick, and he actually finished the round up. Very nice. So you you were there for a week, I, as I understand. A uh, week, including the travel. So I was really only there for three days. Wow, that's a lot of traveling. Yeah. You don't do this for a living. You actually have a, a real job outside of the hobby. Yeah, no, the hobby's definitely not my full-time job. I'm uh, yeah. an aircraft maintenance. In Canada, they call it an aircraft maintenance engineer. In the States, it's aircraft maintenance AMP. I can't remember what the piece is. AMP. Yeah, just, just doing my apprenticeship now. got my... Uh, my first real job with an airline seven months ago. So. so your schedule, just especially in the summer, must just be sickly crazy. Yeah, it's pretty busy. Actually, um, now that I'm with a company that has the funds and the resources to be able to, to get people to more events, I've got the opportunity to go to more places, but now that I've got my real job, it kind of puts a damper. It's actually very similar to what I had when I was going to college. I usually do four or five fairly big events in the states and then the rest is and i say local to canada because it only really takes if i'm flying somewhere between four and five hours yeah i would say on on average i'm probably doing eight nine ten large events a year and that's getting on an airplane going. your co-workers what do they uh that mean do they do they fly are they interested in the hobby what do they think of the yeah, fact absolutely. that they're working um a couple of them come up to the field one of them's getting into it now um there were a few guys that are a lot more senior than I am in the job that had been into it uh, prior to me working there. And actually, they said they used to be able to fly all their stuff in the hangar and work on their stuff on lunch break or whatever. But uh, believe it or not, uh, third or fourth week there, I was flying a 450 in the parking lot and got in trouble for it. So (laughs) definitely the no fun zone. You come into work, you got to work. That would be amazing to work with, uh, have the access to a guy like you to, to help with with setups and flying, I couldn't imagine how much of an advantage that would be for people because it could really improve their skills quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's several people that come up to the field and they've got their helicopter and they're interested in learning, but they'd rather just have their stuff set up and go fly. Five, six, say even ten years ago, you get your helicopter and you'd spend a good six, seven months just learning the mechanics of it. You'd build it and learn how to use the radio, learn how to start it, learn how to tune the motor, and that would again, put you behind seven months of what most people are today. Now a kid goes and buys a helicopter for 600 bucks, pretty well ready to fly, goes up to the field, gets someone to help help them out with it, and they're learning how to fly before they even learn how to maintain their helicopter. So yeah. When you show up at your local flying field and you got these people there, that do you find that you end up helping uh, with setups and, you know, instruction more so than you get to fly or is that no i mean our club's pretty small actually um there's only two other guys that fly helicopters there and they're pretty well set up just from being at the club for the last three four years um and other guys fly airplanes actually but i would say on average i might spend an hour a day helping people out if i'm at the local field now when i go to a fun fly like a helicopter specific fly if i'm not flying i'm helping someone that that's kind of what you guys do i noticed uh, you know uh, that's just kind of part of the when you show up is representing a manufacturer yeah, absolutely and it, it's yeah. fun you gotta enjoy doing that stuff i like seeing people so when i was a kid i was fortunate enough to have dad who had all the experience to, to take me under and do all that stuff so i can definitely appreciate what it's like to have someone there to help you uh, if, if there's someone that comes in the hobby and i maybe played a role in helping them succeed then uh then that's i guess my job done you know one one question i always like to ask 
guys that are flying at your level is when you're when you're doing those crazy maneuvers like on that video when you're just when you're just throwing that helicopter around what what is going through your mind i mean is it nothing total 100% relaxation when i'm flying there's there's nothing and that's why i love it so much i go out to the field and there's nothing else that matters like i'm just out there out in the middle of nowhere no work no nothing just flying having fun and i honestly when i fly i just fly my thumbs move and it honestly kind of feels like i'm just watching really now when I'm, when I'm practicing for a contest or trying to learn new stuff, totally different story. My my brain and thumb connection is they're constantly questioning one another, and that's when all the crashing starts to happen. Is when I'm trying to learn new stuff and I'm thinking about what I'm doing. If I'm just going out to fly and I'm relaxed, I'm not thinking. Then that's basically what you saw in that that video that you mentioned earlier on Heli Three. I do 3D all the time. It's never intentional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and. And I would say that uh, you know, in a seven-minute flight, uh, I get I get uh, the butt pucker maybe I don't know four out of the out of the seven minutes that I'm in the air. I mean, it, it's definitely so. I, I guess I just can't. It's hard for me to imagine being able to. I guess you know. I guess I can relate to that a little bit when it comes to flying because I you know because I've been doing the planes lately and that is completely relaxing flying. There, right. There's nothing. So I guess it's similar in that sense. I mean, it's like anything. It just becomes muscle memory. You just do it, right? And uh, e- even now, when I crash, it's not like a big... It's not a huge surprise. I mean, it sucks. It is. But when you're that low anyway, you know, another couple inches, it crashes. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, it's not that bad. Usually back together a couple That's times. what's going through your mind when you're doing a video such as the one we mentioned. But when you're at a major competition uh, and you're flying, there's a little more pressure, I would guess. I would imagine your your thought process is a little different. What are you thinking when you're at a competition and you're flying? Usually I'm not thinking about the contest of the people. Maybe a little bit of the pressure. I usually find the first 30 seconds of the flight I'm shaking a little bit, but once I'm into it, it's just like how I've been practicing on my home field. The only thing I try to do differently at the contest than I would at home practicing is flying it a little bit lower, a little bit more aggressively. But other than that, it's it's honestly not a whole lot different. I think the the biggest thing that plays with your mind is when you started the helicopter out or plugged it in whatever you're doing you're walking out there and you look and you turn around there's all those people and they're announcing your name but as soon as the music starts and you start flying it's it's kind of just flying again it's a little bit more nerve-wracking than flying at home because i know i have no one to impress at home and i don't have to put myself in a position relative to other pilots but other than that like i say it's it's honestly not a whole lot different when you show up at a major competition are there are there pilots that you're that are in the back of your mind thinking, I, I've, I, this is the guy that I really need to try to one-up? Or do you kind of consider everybody there that's in that level? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that, actually. Usually uh, the list, for example, XFC will come out, and uh, I'll look at the list and, and kind of think about who I really have to work at to, uh, to fly a little bit better than, or who I think that I may be able to already have an advantage over. But honestly, when it comes down to it, I kind of treat XFC as, as a big fun fly that's a friendly contest between everyone. Um, I'm sure you've heard other guys say it before, too. 90% of us, actually, I go as far to say even 100% of us, are all good enough friends that it really doesn't matter who wins or who loses. Like, after the flight's over, you come back, you land, good flight, blah, 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 and everyone just sits back under their tent and hangs out till the next round. And it's actually, believe it or not, a little bit more relaxing, I find, than a big event like Urchel will say. Because yeah. you've got the time to just relax and not worry about anything. Whereas 
at a fun fly, you're done flying. Yeah, the flying's stress-free, but then you get back into the pits, and there's there's ten guys running around wanting help on their different stuff, which uh, which isn't a bad thing at all. But again, I feel I always feel a little more busy at a fun fly than I am at a contest. I would assume that you do a fair amount of just demo flying at these fun flies. Yeah, usually. I mean, even if it's just an airplane fun fly locally, I'll fly one from the guys. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before. That's cool. You think you could do that again at at lunchtime when some more guys get here or whatever? So it's really. Uh, it's non-professional. It's, I show up and they have this idea that they want to get a bunch of people together and, and land all the other airplanes. And to be honest, I think a little bit of it is that a lot of guys don't want to be flying at the same time that I am. And I can't say I blame them. I wouldn't want to be flying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? You have I no clue what the helicopter is going to be next. Nobody wants to be flying at the same time I'm flying either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when that thing hits the dirt, it's not like an airplane that's a couple hundred feet out that everyone's got to get a big search party for and go and walk. You're like ducking from part spread. Right. People want to be aware, I would say. Let's say you had to choose between, for the rest of your career in RC helicopters, flying demos or competition. You had to do one or the other. Which would it be? Um, I, that's a tough question. No one's ever asked me that, actually. I enjoy competing a lot, but I also love the, the lack of stress involved with just doing demos. But I think I would say compete because that's what really pushes us all to become better at flying. Yeah. I mean, it's not flying day to day. I do the same stuff. I'll do the same stuff tomorrow that I did yesterday, and I'll do the same stuff the next day that I did the day before. It's just it gets repetitive after a while. And when you go to a contest, you get to see what all the other people are doing, all the new and innovative stuff that they're coming up with, and gives you some time to prepare for the next contest to maybe take some of those and improve on them or change them up a little bit to your own style, but that's definitely where I get most of my improvements from, is from watching other people that are better than me fly. Yeah. Speaking of innovative moves, is there anything out there that you've come up with that is something new and innovative? Uh, recently? No, I don't think so. No? last cool thing that I did was uh, four, three or four years ago at XFC now, when I was doing the inverted auto, instead of like flipping out of it forward sliding it back like, like most people do, I pulled back and flipped backwards. But that was that was really the only, I should say the only cool thing, but uh, the only thing that sets out in my mind is something different right. from what I've ever seen from anyone else before. So let's talk about setup for a little bit, you know, because everybody's kind of interested in what, you know, guys that are flying at your level or, you know, what their setups are as far as their, uh, their pitch ranges and all that kind of good stuff. Where, where's your helicopter set up typically? Honestly, I haven't used a pitch gauge probably in five or six years. Really? So you just kind of you just kind of look and say, yeah, that'll that'll do. Yeah, uh, with different fly barless units, starting out they want a little bit more or a little bit less pitch. But once you've got a general idea of where they like to be, you can set up a model and get it pretty close. Uh, yeah. Even when I was flying fly bar, I would find I'd just not even use a pitch gauge to find zero. I'd eyeball zero and then go out and fly it and then adjust it from there because you can. I found anyway, I could sit on the bench for an hour yes. and set up pitch curves and mess around with this and that. And then when I go into the field, I end up spending two or three tanks anyway tuning it. So I find that my time is better spent just getting it close enough on the bench and then going out and flying it and setting it up that way. I get typically anal about that. I can remember uh, the first helicopter I built, I literally was two days of the push-pull linkages, you know, right. and, and I just got to the point, and I actually read somebody's post where, I can't remember who posted it, they're like, you know, 
at some point you just got to say this is good enough, yep, you know, absolutely. because you'll you'll just drive yourself crazy. The the biggest thing is getting everything 90 degrees or wherever it needs to be for whatever model you're flying, but getting everything mechanically at zero pitch set up as perfect as you can without using any subtrims. And if at half stick you've got everything 90 degrees in relation to one another and your pitch link set so you've got about zero degrees, when you go and fly it, nine times out of ten, you're only going to have to maybe tweak two or three things, your expo, your cyclic rate. Actually, I can't even remember, since I've gone fly barless, the last time I've had to track helicopter. I just measure the links, pop both on, and, and they're good to go. But uh, I think I'm probably right around the 14 range for collective, and probably uh, 10, 11, 12 for cyclic. Wow. And that's on, on fly barless. So fly bar helicopters around uh, 9 for cyclic, and same thing, 14 for collective. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's just enough... Uh... For me to bog an engine down and watch it fly out of the sky. Yeah, absolutely. and it, it's funny you say that actually, because I've been to events before where guys will watch me fly my nitro helicopter and say, "Man, there's no way that motor's stock. Would you do that? How do you get it to put out that much power?" And you tell them it's really not. You know, you just get used to it. It's it's a lot more powerful than what it looks like. And in letting a couple of people fly my helicopter, they've they've realized that with a lot of pitch, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble really quick. So for guys that want to run that, you definitely need to work your way up into it. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm I, I'm at eleven on each side. I, you know, I I know I could probably go higher, but I don't need to right. at my my level of flying. I just don't need that. Right. That I, much. I usually try to get the motor so it loads down just on a straight up line. So I'm sure on my electric I've got a little bit more pitch than I do on my nitro, but uh, yeah, for someone learning or just getting into aerobatics that doesn't want to really load down the motor too much. If you do a full-out climb-out, like you're saying, with 11 degrees of pitch, you'll hear the tone change a little bit, but you won't really be loading up the motor. Right. Nitro or electric, which do you prefer? Huh. That's a tough question, too. I honestly like them both <laughs> for different reasons. Electric definitely has more power. Mm-hmm. Four-minute flight times suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this stage of the game, anyway, you're not going to beat it for power-to-weight ratio. Going to a contest and being able to plug in your battery and not have to go out half an hour before your your contest flight to tune your motor is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but back at home, the the weight of the nitro is definitely less, so I can feel that it changes direction a little bit quicker. Um, it's awesome to be able to do an 8-minute flight, land, and then fuel up for 30 seconds, and then go up and do another 8-minute flight. So for I think for fun flies, for practicing, uh, I prefer nitro. And for contests right now, I would say electric. I'm kind of slowly switching into electric helicopters, and I like them. But I, you know, when I get out the nitro, I just, I just the smoke, the smell, you know, the typical stuff you always hear people talk about. Yeah. You know, I love to watch the smoke trail. It's just, uh, but definitely, I know I can definitely even I can feel the difference. Uh, Rob and I actually have talked about this a few times. Um, I think guys that are have a little less collective management skill uh, prefer electrics simply because they can power their way through uh, maneuvers, whereas if they had a, a nitro or something to that effect where they had to be a little more delicate with their collective management, they simply wouldn't be able to pull that maneuver off. Absolutely. And I notice that going from one model to the next. I'll go learn a maneuver on the electric one and then come back and try it on the nitro, and right away I can tell that my collective management been slacking a little bit from using the electric because it'll take me a good 
tank of fuel to get it down on the nitro or I'm not bothered. And then you you mentioned fly barless. You you are doing the 3GX. Is yes. that correct? Yep. Yeah. And uh, did your kit come with a crying towel? A crying towel. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what reason? Why well, you I... know it's well, you know it's an aligned helicopter. You, sometimes you got to have a crying towel because you know it's an aligned. I guess so. I don't know, man. I just opened the box, <laughs> shook it up, and it fell out as a helicopter. Fell out as a helicopter. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. You skyped me the other night, and you were saying you were gonna do a you, you were gonna attempt to do a build video on a 450. Yes. Your battery was uh, on your camera was out. Yup, I was and I, read the manual. Oh, jeez! I just told you to shake that box. Shake yep. it. Yeah, shake it. Be good. Actually, I did yeah. do that. Uh, I recorded it the whole time I was building it, and uh, I'll do it right from opening the box to setting up the 3GX to flying it. So hopefully that'll help some of the new guys get in. So what servos are you using on your helicopters? Are you going all line? Yeah, all the way through. Yep. Are you running on uh, uh, high voltage, 7.4? Are you no, I'm at six point eight. I actually use uh, the Scott Gray Reactor X. For okay. So that's selectable from uh, five point six, uh, six, six point eight, and then straight voltage. And you're using the six fifty tail, general yep. or servo? Yep. And that's the way the reactor works. Actually, it regulates your cyclic servos to whatever you set the that particular bus to, like I was talking about before, and then it supplies five point two volts to your receiver, your fly barless unit, or whatever else is plugged into. So my my three cyclic servos see 6.8 volts, and then the receiver and the fly barless unit see 5.2 and anything else that's plugged into that. So the tail servo is actually only getting 5.2 volts. Have you messed around with uh, high voltage setups before? Um, no, I actually haven't. Uh, the only you know, thing I would... I've got high voltage on actually is my airplane. I've got some high voltage servos in that that I run straight to. That's right, and I don't know. Some people may or may not know this uh, that you you do are involved with with not in such a grand scale with the helicopters, but you do do airplanes as well. Yeah, absolutely, just mostly yeah. local stuff. Anything that I can drive to, because trying to ship an airplane around is, I wouldn't even want to try it. I can't imagine how some of the guys coming back deal with that stuff, having no airplane for three weeks because they've had to ship it to an event. Yeah, the airplane side of the hobby is definitely the relaxing part for me. You know, I'm not at uh, a level. Much higher than what most of the local guys are at. So when I go to a contest, uh, right now I do intermediate for iMac, and there's five or six guys that I compete with that are genuinely really hard to keep up with. So it's it's nice to be able to do some local stuff that challenges me too. Because around here, there's honestly no helicopter stuff. Like I say, there's two other guys in the field that fly helicopters. Uh, one of them does the odd loop and roll, but for the most part, he's just hovering, flying around figure eights. And uh, the other guy's getting into 3D right now. But nine times out of ten, at any given event around here, you'll maybe see five helicopters, probably 20, 30 airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying the, the planes as well, but that's a topic for another podcast. These guys get a little uptight when I start talking about the... Build one right now. Talk about my airplane. <laughs> the following is a public service announcement from Save the Fly Bar. fly bars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. 
Every day, the number of fly-barless units increases dramatically, leaving fly-bars to squander away into obscurity, not to mention the fly-bar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the fly-bar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a fly-bar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their flight bar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLY-BAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the fly bar now. Well, I was going to comment about, uh, you were talking about uh, setting up, you know, pitch and whatnot. I'm kind of the same way. I, I don't... Uh, hardly ever use a pitch gauge i think you know maybe just for measurement's sake after i've set everything up just to look and see what did i end up with i might look you know with a digital scale or something but um yeah i i uh um dan and i talk a lot about collective management and stuff and we actually had a scenario where he was thinking his uh, trx 600 was quite a dog and i think we determined that he just had way too much pitch on the thing and right uh, it, it's totally true i mean you get anything over you know, 12, 13, 14 degrees, you can't really live in there for any longer than a, a millisecond, you know, while you're doing yeah. a maneuver. Otherwise, you just lose all the head speed. And, Absolutely. So, and I back kinda... to that, I guess, uh, there's a lot of guys, and I'm sure this is part of the hobby for them, too. They like to tinker maybe more than they do fly. But, uh, you know, you can sit on a bench and do calculations and measurements and sit on a computer and analyze stuff for hours and hours on end. You can get a totally different result when you go and fly it. At least yeah. that's what I found in the last couple of years. So, for me, it's and I'm sure you're you're probably from the same perspective, or at least that's what it sounds like, is to just put stuff on the helicopter and go try it and fly it, and really see what you think of what the change did instead of trying to figure it out beforehand. And oh, I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the advancements in the hobby have actually come from that. Here's you know, manufacturer gives someone something here, try this out, see what it does. And it ends up being better, and then you can approve upon it or backtrack and figure out how you ended up getting it better or why it works better. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm all about tuning, you know, tune for feel, you know, not for numbers, you know. And I remember there was a, a big – I kind of seemed to track the advancement in this hobby. You could almost track it based on how much max collective pitch people will talk about wanting to run on their helicopter, for instance. Right. You know, like two years ago uh, – it was insane to run 12 degrees, right, two or three years ago. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I for the longest time, I, I can recall running in circles where people tried to use how much collective and cyclic they had as a, kind of a status symbol. But I think what yeah. a lot of people start to forget about is it has nothing to do with what kind of numbers you end up with. It all has to do with how well you time those controls, you know, and how well you – manage the collective and the cyclic interactions and stuff like that so that you can make that helicopter snap across the sky you know so and i mean different blades are going to react totally different to different amounts of pitch too which is what a lot of guys don't uh, yeah. don't take into consideration and unlike an airplane when a blade stalls you've still got something to pull it around so even though it's stalled it may not be producing lift but it's making thrust so if you've got enough power behind it you can pull pretty much as much pitch as you yeah, yeah. I can't bring myself to do it, and I can appreciate where you where you guys are coming from because I mean, as far as you know, getting it on the bench. But I I can't. I have to do it. I get the helicopter. I put it on the bench. I get out 
the pitch gauges and I, I have to find zero and I have to know those numbers. And I'm sure I don't, it's just a mental thing. I, I just can't, I guess that maybe I don't trust myself enough, but I just need to know before I fly that, that it's at zero, perfect zero at, at mid stick, even before I take it to the field. But. See, that's what makes you inferior, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of many things. One of one of many things, but yeah, I'll concede to that. Yeah, no, but you know what? Um, I think this came maybe from the Raptor days too. And Dad, my father's an aircraft maintenance engineer, so all through learning this helicopter stuff, he was always very, very particular about things. Um, you know, when I was thirteen years old, I was sitting with an engine, the fan, the clutch, and the vice, learning how to dial indicate it, mm-hmm. balancing everything. And everything had to be 100% perfect, and I was like that probably throughout the whole time span I was flying Raptors. Um, all my fans and clutches were always dial indicated down to a thou. Everything was balanced. The model would work perfectly, perfectly smooth, and probably in the last year, maybe two years, I was flying it, um, doing a little bit more testing, getting more involved with stuff. I would crash more helicopters, and it would just be so time-consuming, as I'm sure you can appreciate to do all that stuff, and I just started mm-hmm. throwing stuff together. Well, I'll use this helicopter as my test bird, and I just I won't worry about it. I'll throw it together, and it'll be fine. And the more I did that, the more I started to notice that it it makes a little bit of a difference, but it's not huge. It's not drastic. And actually, I guess we can go back to a couple of days ago when Dan and I were talking. When I first got my T-Rexes, um, I built one like a total idiot that didn't know anything about the hobby, just straight from the manual. I didn't balance anything. I didn't dial indicate anything, check nothing for run out, just threw it together, put that one aside, and then built my second one how I would have built the helicopter five years ago. I balanced everything. I used a dial indicator on the, on the fan, on the clutch. And today, if you were to ask me which one was which, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Huh. Really and uh, again, stuff has evolved so much. Well, yeah, you, you know, with the advancements in manufacturing and all that good stuff. But, you know, Rob brings up a good point, and it's kind of a perfect segue into what I'd like to talk a little bit about next. Uh, but first, before we get there, I just need to make sure, Rob, Callum, do you guys have your fire extinguishers uh, handy? Yeah, I got my hot pads. Uh, there right we go. Okay. You know, Rob mentioned the status symbol. People yep. being able to say, say, you know, I, I run this much pitch. And, and it kind of – I we and you and I were talking about the, the, the Castle Creation um, – I guess debacle that's been happening as as of late. You kind of came up with an, an analogy, which which is, you know, kind of relates to that status symbol. You know, people look at that and they can brag about what their settings are. Well, you know, it's you know, you can take a perfectly good computer, like an Intel, awesome chip. If you try to overclock it, if you try to make it perform at a level it's not necessarily designed to maintain a performance at, it's going to burn up. Yeah. And um. And you mentioned that sometimes these guys will take these these controllers and they'll want to set them at such a level that it's just it becomes a stable environment to a very unstable environment. And the next thing you know, things are you know going up in smoke. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wish you had recorded our little conversation last night. I don't think we'd do that again. That was a good response. I was proud of that. Um, but I think a lot <laughs> of the problems that majority of the people are seeing are actually from the sponsored guys. You get guys like Tim Jones, Nick Maxwell, Bobby, everyone flying this electric stuff that's pushing it right to the limit where a lot of guys aren't. And I think that's where you're seeing most of the problems crop up. Not to say that there haven't been other guys with issues. That's that's clearly an issue. Castles uh, responded to that and looked after everyone. But uh, at events, 
where all the top flyers are flying and pushing all their stuff is usually where you happen to see the problems. And I think a lot of people associate that with a more widespread widespread problem where they they assume that it's a more widespread problem than what it is because they're seeing the guys that are pushing the envelope have a couple issues here and there. Yeah, you but, see the uh, high profile incidences, yeah. Exactly. And and I'm definitely not defending that there's there's not a problem because there wasn't castles. Obviously fix that or on its way to fixing it. But but nine times out of ten I think that that's where a lot of guys see the problem. They'll, they'll see it all. I saw so-and-so's castle speak and drill catch on fire. I'm really nervous to use mine now, so I'm just going to bench it and, and do something else. So, to be honest, I've had one problem with one of mine um, just on spool up. I actually knew that it was a bad one. The guy had told me not to use it beforehand, but I was so excited to get the helicopter up. I put the latest firmware in, and on spool up, it instantly caught fire. But that was just like their bulletin says. I think there was a couple components that were taken out or were put in of lesser quality. Anyway, the second speed control, I got no problems whatsoever. Um, put it in and, and instantly it, it worked perfect. And I've had it working for the last four months now without issues. So yeah, I think everything's fixed, and that's behind us all now. Yeah, I think they're on the upswing. You know, they got the 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 V2, the branded V2. Uh, controllers out there and as of late i haven't heard of any problems with those and no so uh third i actually when you when you go out and look to try and find an ice v2 hv80 you'll be hard pressed to find one actually in stock somewhere right now so. yeah yeah yep. absolutely. which is a good thing oh yeah definitely all three of us use castle products i mean you know it's just like anything else you know we're, we're definitely not castle fanboys but at the same time you got to be a little realistic about the situation absolutely and i think I'm, where all the problems started to crop up was from trying to improve upon something and i'll go to a limb and say it didn't really need improving i mean castle was always a little bit ahead of in my opinion anyway the competition so they didn't have someone above them to just copy off they were the industry leader and in, in trying to fix something that's not broken you're going to run into those issues Oh yeah, that's uncharted cool. territory. Yep. Exactly. Trying to get a an electric governor system that worked really good was totally unheard of when they were trying to do this. Um, their auto rotation recovery, all that stuff, is obviously putting more stress on the components inside the speed control than what a traditional standard airplane speed control that we were all really just using for the longest time in our helicopters. So, like anything, you you can't move forward without having a few failures. And you know. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I kind of sound like an asshole, but um, Good man. <laughs> I I just can't help but think uh, you know you you hear the thread or you read the threads and you 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 read the people that are uh, you know just tearing into manufacturers and you got to wonder. You know, granted, they're probably pretty good flyers when it comes down to it. They probably are pretty good everyday flyers. Right. But but when it comes down to it, you know, I think people are putting, you know, it goes back to the performance issue. I think they're trying to get performance out of a helicopter that they really don't need. There's there's a few guys on the forum that just instantly pop in my, into my mind. I'm certainly not going to mention any names. But, you know, it, the thing is, is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just you can only expect so much. Yeah. And the hobby is... Again, like we've been saying throughout this whole conversation, 
has changed so drastically and it allows people to get into the hobby that really wouldn't have had any interest in it before because maybe they figured it was a little bit too complicated or it was more time than they were willing to spend on learning stuff. Years ago, you had to you, know, you had to be good at soldering all your stuff together. You had to understand the relationship between voltage and current to figure out what kind of power system you're going to need, what oh, motors yeah. can work right with what speed control. And now you buy a package and it's just it's all together and it's good and you've got all these parameters that you can play with and change and manipulate and in doing so without having an understanding is where you run into problems and I've done it before too there's there's tons of stuff in this hobby that's over my head that I really don't understand and in the past I I used to get stuff and it wasn't so complicated that you couldn't figure it out by just taking parameters and doing something with it and then going out and flying and saying oh I think that's you know that's what this changed and after a weekend of messing with it, you'd have a really good understanding of how it works, but now stuff's so complicated behind the scenes that to try to understand all that stuff is, is ridiculous, and that's where I think a lot of people, including myself, run into issues with stuff, is you really oh, yeah. need to take the time and sit down and and understand how everything works to be successful with it. Yeah, I see a lot of people, and I'll, I'll say I've done this too in, in like the early days when I first got into like a programmable speed controller like the Castle, uh, I actually made a thread in the cashle section where people could share their config files, right? Right. Um, so that you could post, well, this is the bird I got, and this is how I set my speed controller up. And sometimes people will just plug and play that stuff in, or like uh, for the Mikado V-Bar, we'll just take a, a, a setting and just upload it to another helicopter and, and just run with it. But, um, yeah, I guess and I'm kind of a, I don't know, I'm kind of an analytical Geek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a kind of a geek, so I like to, you know, I'm I'm a fan of the of the hobby from the ground up, you know. So right. I like to take the time to learn how something goes together and build it and 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 watch it progress. You know, I think in the end, then when you fly it, you, you have more appreciation. You don't take things for granted. Um, you know, I I in no way could expect any part of this heli- this this whole hobby to be perfect in any way. You know, I ex- I expect there at some point to be failures, whether it's my own thumbs or a piece of mechanics or whatever. So, um, best I can do is uh, as good as I can on the bench, so that uh, I know that it's going to work when I'm in the air. Yeah. So, Rob, do you think I have that quality when it comes to setting stuff up? I don't know. Mm-hmm. When you get your Fusion 50 back, let me know. Well, yeah, I don't. I, you know, Rob's been Rob's helped me through issues, and I just, I just don't have any patience for that stuff. If I can't get it to work, I, I just get frustrated with it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's just I acknowledge it. It's a flaw of many, one of many. But you know, that's just the way it is with me. So you know, it's funny you say that because when I was a kid, I had all. I should say when I was a kid, I guess I still. But uh, I had all the patience in the world, all the time in the world to sit online and read manuals and get involved with that type of stuff. Having a job and having to go to college and and now working closer with the line, there's there's not a whole lot of time to sit down and really just figure stuff out for yourself or your your own sake. You're always doing something different. And I find now that technology changes so fast that by the time you've understood something, it's already obsolete and you've got to read up and learn the next thing. So oh, it's yeah. definitely more difficult in that aspect than what it used to be. But there's no doubt in my mind that if if you enjoy the hobby for its mechanical aspect as well as the flying portion of it, it definitely makes you a smarter person. Yeah, 
I don't the the mechanical side of it. I don't really have a problem with. I mean, I don't mind. It's 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 figuring out the electronic stuff, and um, I actually I just usually wait for Rob to figure it out and tell him to to give me the settings. He <laughs> <laughs> just like all right. So you're that guy on the forum that just downloads and plugs and plays. Exactly. I just call Rob up and say, so what's the setting on your X5 on the V on the on the uh, V stacks and. I just copy it, and it seems to work fine for me. So, But you know what? That's what's awesome about the hobby now, too, is you can do that stuff. If you don't have all the time in the world to do that, you can jump online and pretty well plug your helicopter into the computer and get it to fly like someone else's on the complete other side of the planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very nice. In fact, cool. Rob's helped me through that kind of stuff many times. Yeah, as, as, many, uh, as much as it makes it more difficult for some people, it makes it leaps and bounds easier for other people. Yes, my kung fu is strong. His kung fu <laughs> is strong. <laughs> so, as you're out and about and you're dealing with with uh, you know your flyers at these fun flies, I mean, if you want to answer this, you can. If you don't, that's fine as well. But how many times do you find when you're helping somebody that they just have? There's things, everything's just wrong. It's either because they don't know what they're doing or it's because they're trying to get too much out of their helicopter. Do you find that pretty pretty common or do you find that most people are... Not a whole lot. And I think it's it's mostly because I have a lot of patience for guys that show up and don't necessarily have anything the way it needs to be. What I find actually a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, I'll say 25% of the people that I help out don't have an interest wanting to learn how to do it themselves you know they bring their helicopter out and, here's my helicopter here's my radio this is what i have go make it work perfect <laughs> and, and i really don't have a lot of patience for that because it takes a lot of time and and i have no problem helping uh, a guy out a couple times getting various helicopters set up but there comes a point in time where he's gonna have to learn how to do it himself and right that, it's not gonna last forever eventually it's gonna crash he's gonna have to to rebuild it and do a little bit of setup so yeah, I think the biggest problem, if I can call it that, is the guys that just want instant gratification. You know, here's my helicopter. Spend, take four hours out of your day to, to make it perfect, and I really don't want to see it when it's done. Where, when I was getting into it, Dad would do that with me a little bit, but, you know, he'd have all his hand-me-down stuff in the garage. Oh, well, if you don't like the way that works, then go grab this one and, and put this in and change this, and then see if you like it better that way. And that's usually how I treat the guys at the field. Uh, you know, for example, they've got a, a cheap gyro and tail rotor servo and it's not working how they think it should work. Then a lot of the times they figure that they should be able to get the performance that they're looking out of something like that, but they don't have any interest in taking everything out and putting new stuff in. Not necessarily new stuff, but something different. Yeah. Trying it that way to see if they get any more performance. Well, now I'm kind of regret asking you. I'm regretting asking you that question because now I'm thinking that Rob's sitting there going, "Are you listening, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you listening to what he's saying?" The journey. See, the thing. <laughs> the thing for me is that the journey is is half the fun, if not most of it. You know, is the reward is to yeah. actually fly well and bring it down and do your post flight check and everything is still where it belongs and. You know, it's like attaboy. You give yourself an attaboy. Job well done. I, I took this out of the box in a bunch of parts. I put this together. I tuned this. I tweaked that. I learned about this, and it flew, and it stayed in the air. Yeah. You know, and it flew well. Whatever, but. So let's talk a little bit about simulators. Do you Are you a fan of them? Do you use them? Absolutely. I think it's yeah. the best learning tool that 
money can buy. Um, yeah. When my dad was learning, he didn't have a simulator, and I remember him telling me he'd go out, you know, drive 30 minutes to the flying site and fly for 30 seconds, wreck an airplane, come back home, have to fix it, just do it all over again. And that was the only way there was to learn back then. And I played on the simulator probably for four or five years before I started flying helicopters. And at that point, it was just a game to me. But nonetheless, it, it really helped me out. And even to this day in the wintertime, when it gets too cold to fly out, I'll sit on the simulator for two, three hours, just put some music on and learn some new things or maybe work on the stuff that I found I was a little bit weak on the previous summer. And to be able to hit a button and be able to fly again, one, you don't have to spend the money. Two, you don't have to spend the time. Yeah. is is amazing. I mean, who would have thought that 10 years ago we'd be able to have these simulators that look and fly pretty well exactly like the real thing right now. And for yeah. 300, 300 bucks or 250 whatever the latest simulator costs now, the first time you crash it on the sim, it's already paid itself off. Yeah. Well, Callum, you know, he that's kind of his story. And, uh, you know, he... Didn't you, Callum? He really learned how to fly on a simulator and just yeah. instantly translated that knowledge over to a helicopter within just a few few gallons of fuel. Yeah, well, in fact, less than that. I mean, uh, when I started flying, um, I didn't have a lot of money, and I just sketched up enough to get my first four gallons. So um, within those four gallons, I'd taken my Raptor 30 from hovering to doing TikToks. And you know, right on. flying inverted. So the simulator really paid off um, for me because um, I brought a really cheap one, um, and you know, I learned the basics. And then I was doing advanced 3D. And then for me, I, it was just translating what I know from the simulator to the real world. And um, yeah, it, it allowed me to practically fast track, you know, straight yeah. into. Yeah. And, it's definitely paid off, but now I, I, feel, I, I don't like the simulator as much as um, I used to because I find myself doing all these maneuvers, um, you know, smack down 3D, Tarek style, and you know, in smooth 3D, but I, I find a hard time translating that now to the real world, um, you know, because on a simulator, you're more relaxed and you yep. really don't give a shit. You just press a button and that's it. Yeah, and you, you you don't have spectators, and you don't you know, it's not dollar signs, you know, <laughs> yep. it's just pixels. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's it. I find it's starting to lack now, but it it, it you know it cures boredom, I guess, when it's raining or when it's crap yeah. weather. Yeah, yeah. I find too. I can really relate to what you're saying. The best the best part of the simulator for me at this point is when I start mixing music in the winter time for choreographing a flight for a contest the next year. That's yeah. really the biggest thing. Is it allows you to sit on the computer and mix your music and, and pick out what maneuvers you're going to do and time them all on the computer and then go and fly yeah. them if you need one or two tweaks. But uh, That's cool. That's cool that you learned how to do that all with a Raptor 30. That's where I was at too. I think everyone should have to learn with a Nitro 30 because it would make everyone that much better. Mm-hmm. My whole simulator is a little unconventional, my thoughts on the, you know, everybody is say get that simulator initially and just fly the shit out of it and then go fly. See, for me, it just didn't work out that way. I did get a simulator about six months before I got a real helicopter, and I tried, I tried it, I tried to fly. I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't make the connection. And for me, what I found worked was actually getting my hands on the helicopter and learning how to hover. 
Right. And, and once I got the hover down and I got an idea of what, you know, when I give a little later on what happens in real life, I, then I found that going to the simulator helped. But the simulator didn't really, it, it, possibly it did, but it, I don't feel like it did help me a whole lot until I had some real life experience with a helicopter actually flying in front of me. But uh, I do use a simulator now more than I ever did when I was learning uh, to hover and whatnot. But uh, I also think a lot of guys disagree or maybe don't want to consider this. For me, a, a huge breakthrough was was picking up an airplane and flying an airplane. Yeah. You know, that was uh, that opened up a lot of confidence for me. Yep, sure. They both flying an airplane is going to help you fly a helicopter, and flying a helicopter is going to help you fly an airplane. I do think, though, too, that if you... I did fly uh, airplanes many years ago for one summer, and it was very an un- unsuccessful attempt at a couple trainers, but uh, I found the guys at my local field were just absolutely astonished at the, the the rapid progression of the airplane flying. And I I think that going from the helicopter to an airplane is, is absolutely easy. I mean, uh, but I don't know that if you just have been flying planes, going to a helicopter is going to be that easy. It's definitely uh, not. And I could proficiently fly airplanes when I started flying helicopters. I only had a trainer at the time. I believe I still only had the trainer. But I could fly it around to inverted figure eights and loops and rolls and all that fun stuff. And it took me a year almost to learn how to hover. I think it was, yeah, pretty well a year before I took the training gear off. And I'm sure some of that could have been because I was only 11 years old and I was a little bit afraid to wreck yeah. this, this huge expensive you know 600 bucks to a 12 year old is like yeah. 6,000 yeah. bucks to and I was right. terrified to wreck it there were times where I'd go and fly and dad knew that I could do something but I wouldn't want to push myself to do it and he'd be like no go ahead do it it's fine if it crashes we'll fix it it's just you know, it's, it might cost 100 bucks a toy we'll be able to get it working again don't worry about it so yeah. I think Good. and that brings up another point having someone to push you in the hobby is definitely what I think makes you progress faster yes yeah, and that's yep. that's something that up until recently here I didn't have. We we you know I'm the well there is one other guy that flies helicopters and he you know he uh, he he was advanced beyond where I was at but uh, you know he flew uh, planes and helicopters as well but for a long time it was just me I, I didn't I usually went in the afternoon when none of the uh, you know I didn't like taking up the runway because all I was doing was hovering right and so for a good year and a half. When I would go, I would go in the evening when there were no plane flyers there. But I started changing that, and um, you know, I noticed flying with Fred is uh, definitely, definitely helping me progress a lot quicker. But um, one last topic, and it's just kind of a fun little thing that I've been reading about. Just some, I like to, I kind of like to go through the forums and just kind of skim them, kind of see what people are talking about. Right. And I kind of interesting on your thoughts on this. Is an RC helicopter a toy? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Is Are your golf clubs or is your ATV or your motorcycle a toy? I think yeah, any, exactly. anything that that you're using just to have fun with, in my opinion, is a toy. It's a dangerous toy, no doubt, but that's how, how I see it in my eyes. And I know some guys get a little bit offended by that, but really that's we're a bunch of grown men going out playing with toy airplanes and helicopters every week. I've got absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, I don't either. And I don't understand. Some some guys, like you mentioned, really do get offended because of the price. They're like, well, this is $3,000. It's not a toy. Well, you know, it is a toy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
and and frankly, uh, you don't. Uh, it, it doesn't matter the cost. It, it's it's a toy. I don't under. I just don't. I guess I. I guess what I'm getting at is I don't understand the the reason for the. Yeah. Being, uh, I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, I, I like toys. It's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. You should. You gotta have fun at some point in your life. I mean, you can go work and do serious stuff all the time, but unless you've got something just to play with, what do you it, live for? That's interesting because um, you know. I was, talking to my girlfriend and you know i told her what i what i do at the weekends and and, and she's like oh you fly toy helicopters and, and i didn't i said no it, it's not really a toy but then she put it into perspective that you know her car you know is her toy because it's fun to drive and I, I i and i i you know and i really didn't think of it as i think most people think well a toy is you know, it's something that's not dangerous. Right. And I think, you know, you think, oh, it's not a toy. You don't, you know, you don't play it, you know, because it's dangerous. I think that's what, you know, the wider, you know, the, the people think out there, you know, just because it's big, you know, the rotor blades are, are spinning it something, you know, at 300 miles an hour and, you know, it's not a toy. But when you think you take enjoyment from it and it's fun, then yeah, it, it's a toy. Yeah. yeah. I think that the people that get upset about it is it's easy to equate the word toy with juvenile. Yeah, you know, yeah. But it's not a juvenile yeah. thing. You know, it's adults have toys. These are well. Yeah, I think also too, as you get older, uh, anything that uh, that like you know, you mentioned it, it it equates with juvenile. I think as you get older, you kind of that that gets to be kind of a nice thing to hear uh, because you know when you're. A young guy, you don't want people, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm, this isn't a toy. I don't play with toys. Are you kidding me? You know, but you know, I'm pushing 40 now and frankly, uh, yeah, I I like playing with toys. (laughs) I I don't have a problem with it at all. So, so anyway, Colin, what's, uh, you know, the, the season's winding down. I imagine for everybody, you're, you got any, uh, anything happening now to the end of the year? You got any plans as far as going to fun flies? Actually, this weekend I'm driving over to Prince Edward Island. It's like a four-hour drive from here, a little island uh, east for a helicopter fun fly, so that should be all right. It's uh, going to be held by the hobby store I used to work for. I worked for them for two years after I graduated high school, so it'll be fun just to go see all the guys that I know and hang out have a good time. But I don't think I've got anything overly big planned. Uh, last year I did Joe Coppola's event in Virginia. That was super, super love to do that again but uh, i don't think the work schedule is going to let me so yeah i think it's just starting to wind down and actually this is the best time i find for starting to test stuff out and do things because i've got all that time available to me where i'm not traveling to spend on uh, getting the helicopter maybe working a little bit better or, or trying some new products yeah that sounds real good and then uh you got all winter to get your routines down for next year that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, you know what? It's been it's been awesome having you on. I really appreciate you you coming on and uh, you know letting us kind of get to know you a little bit. Uh, I still think that uh, you know you should try to make your way out to Montana next year and uh, check yeah. out the Heli Pros Fun Fly. That'd be awesome. I'd love to. Yeah, that that uh, that, in the books. that would be great fun. I suspect uh, next year there's going to be even more. Uh, Big name people, and I would imagine you know just your everyday flyers next year. So right on. Again, thanks for coming on, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, take it easy, Tom. Yeah, no problem. Nice meeting everyone. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
so that was Colin Bell, guys. Oh, sorry, Dan. I was mm-hmm. supposed to respond. No, not really. I'm used to you not responding to me. <laughs> How come you don't look at me anymore? I was oh. trying. I was trying to go. There's a uh, a thread of yeah. I found on the. Uh, I was on Heli Freak and I was looking at the off topics and I found this <laughs> this thread. I thought it was kind of funny. Very super ultra cheap 450 Pro. Maybe a mistake, but I've ordered mine. <laughs> dude, I totally bought into that. No, <laughs> I did, nice. dude, I did. So here's let me let me explain. Let me well first of all, uh, to to well one reason I decided to do it was because it's through PayPal. So I may have money tied up in PayPal, but if it doesn't come through, I'm going to get my money back. Uh huh. But what it was was uh, an obvious obvious mistake. So the the this I, I can't even think of the name of the, of the uh, of focal. Focal something or other, yeah. Yes. Focalprice.com or something. Yeah. Yeah. I get on there and sure enough, they're they're selling kits. Uh, and you, if you buy three or more, they were twenty one bucks a piece. <laughs> buy like five or more, they were like twenty dollars a piece. What? Nice. So I decided after I thought about it for just a a few minutes, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. What the hell, I'm going to try it. And so I went through the order process. Uh huh. Made them sixty-three dollars and some odd cents because it was like twenty-one fifty, if I remember, something like that. So it was a little over sixty-three bucks. Yeah. And uh, no shipping, free shipping. And if you look on the thing, it says free shipping. Well, here's the deal. I I, I went ahead and put my order in, went through on PayPal, and um, of course the thread kind of kind of went mini viral there on Heli Freak. It got a lot of reviews or a lot of looks. There. Yeah, I'm looking really- at it now here. I'm trying to trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> so um, people are like, oh, it's a scam, ah, and people are like, oh, if it's a scam, it's a scam. It's through PayPal. I'm gonna get my money back. You know, no skin, no skin off my nuts. I did notice later that night that page went offline. Yeah, I can't get to it right now. Exactly. And now if you go to their main page, their home page, that exact same heli is now priced at $255. <laughs> they probably saw so many people buying it. They're like, wait, wait, we got to raise the price here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with it, but uh, you know, I figured, what the hell? I mean, if I can pick up three cheap little clones, yeah. dude, it, it comes with everything but the blades. It comes with a 2200 milliamp Three cell lipo, ESC motor, servos, gyro. It's all cheap stuff, but so what? Yeah, I'm looking at this post here. It says pack including helicopter, glass fiber canopy, ESC motor, three servos, tail servo, gyroscope, battery, balance charger. Really? Comes with a charger as well. Ah, blade holders not included. That's the deal. (laughs) There's the catch. Okay. That's that's blade holders. Yeah. So anyway, I I I decided to roll some dice and see what happens, but. I'm fully expecting that uh, what's going to happen is they are just going to ignore those orders. Well, after 45 days or 44 days, they're just going to start you know, putting in their claims and getting their money back. Because I have not got one email from them. But they did also mention that it's some holiday in China right now, so it's going to delay the... Oh, like the Chinese holiday or whatever? Yeah, some... I don't know. I don't know what New Year's, Chinese New Year. I don't know. But anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. If it if it works, I almost thought about buying six. Yeah, right. I see but some other guy bought six of them. <laughs> I was going to do. I, I bought three and I got a hold of Callum. He bought one, 
tried to get a hold of you, but yeah. I think I think you were busy. No, probably working. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, he ordered one. I ordered three. And then I was sitting there talking to him, and I said, "Dude, I'm going to do three more." He's like, yeah. "Me, like, dude, if it's real, it'll be there, and you can order three more later. Don't, you know." Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I don't three. Shit, I don't even need three of them. But what the hell? What a great little way to bash helicopters around and not have to worry at all about it. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if it pans out. I'm. Yeah. Some of the impression that it's not, I feel. I feel like they're probably just going to ignore all the orders, not ship them out, and. Uh, well, whatever. I mean, if they, if you don't get an order, then you'll get your money back from PayPal. Exactly. Fine. If it wasn't through PayPal, I would have never never even considered it. If it was a straight credit card order, or whatever, I would have ignored it completely. But. Yeah, hooray for us if it if it pans out for all of us who decided to to you know yeah. throw our hats in the ring. <laughs> yeah. So to all of you guys that were just bitching about how much of a scam it was, and it pans out, neener, neener, neener. Well, but, I mean, yeah, it'll just <laughs> that's funny though because it'll be a whole bunch of really low quality parts, badly built helicopters farting around till they crash and then in the garbage. <laughs> exactly. That's Night right. rig. Night rig, dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm kind of looking forward to see how that pans out. I'll definitely let you guys know. Uh, yeah, yeah let us know works. if you get them. Yeah. So just want to say one more time. Look for that uh, giveaway, the uh, Maverick Blade giveaway. Um, you will see more information, not only on our webpage, uh, but soon you will see some information on Haley Pro's webpage about it as well. So check them out. Um, you know, Mavericks are good blades. I fly them. Callum flies them. Uh, Rob hasn't flown them yet, but he's got a set there. I have he's, them. He's gonna, I'm he's gonna get a, them, and they are nice. Yes. He's, he's going to get a chance to fly it on that velocity because I sent him out a set of flybarless blades for that velocity. So, Or the Fusion, not the velocity. Yeah, Fusion, yep. So I guess it's about that time of the show when we talk about how you get in touch with us. You just can go to any forum you can catch me if you want to PM me at Dan K. Reed at pretty much every forum that's out there. Or you can email me at dankreed at msn.com. Or you can email me at dan at rchelionation.com. How about I get in touch with you, Rob? Uh, similarly. Yeah? Yeah. Is, is your username Dan K. Reed as well? <laughs> Dan L. Reed. Uh, Dan L. Reed. Or M. N. No, it's it, next gen on all the forums. Uh, mm-hmm. You can PM me or you can do rob at rchelionation.com. Um, you can check out my blog. I've got the front porch. Um, I've linked to that through the RC Heli Nation website. Uh, web address is too long to read on the on the air, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, shoot me an email. You've got questions. Uh, you know, if you have a, a question or a comment and we share it on the show, uh, you know, you'll get a sticker. Or a T-shirt. Yeah. We don't really have any stickers yet, but we're working on that. That is definitely something that we will have shortly. Callum, on the interwebs, pretty simple. <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> he can be reached at Callum at RCHelionation.com, and he does have his uh, his uh, webpage. I don't know it exactly from memory, but I believe it's Callum RC or Callum Helly. Callum Helly at co.uk 
or you can go to the webpage, our webpage, RC Hilly Nation, and you can click on his name, and there's a link to his site there. He does a blog there. See, kind of. See, this is what happens when Callum sleeps while we record because we totally botch his blog's website. Is Callum slash mainblade.org heli flyer <laughs> RC toy slash bot. Mexico City. Yeah. .http.net.gov.org. Yeah, he, uh, he, you know, generally he's with us, but, you know, we got to cut him a little bit of slack. Sometimes, you know, the time difference is pretty tough for him, so. It's like four in the morning or something at the time of us recording right now. Yeah, and it's just, unfortunately for Callum, he's a trooper. He puts up with it. It's just the way it goes um, because, you know, Rob's got family commitments. Just to also remind you, even if you do know the phrase or whatever it is we put in the show, number six, first of October, or end of October, first of November, you also need to have liked us on Facebook page. So go to the Facebook page, RCLA Nation. Like our page, man. Like it. Like it. It just makes it, it makes us, you know, feel good about ourselves when we know people like us. Yeah, poke us. Poke us. We like to be poked. Yeah. And then, of course, poke our wall. Poke our wall and we'll poke your wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can follow us on Twitter. That you know we don't use Twitter a lot, but we definitely use it. We definitely use it whenever we put out a new show. We're gonna start mm-hmm. if we get enough interest in the Twitter. Rob and I are really neither into Twitter. Um, I don't even think Callum is, but I know it, you know the advantages of using it. You know, if we're interviewing somebody, we can put that out on Twitter. Then you can actually Twitter in questions for that particular person. Uh, coming up on the show in the next few weeks, we've got Tony Whiteside is going to come in for an interview. Well, he's going to get on the internet for an interview. He's not actually coming in. Um, he's going to telnet himself to your trailer. <laughs> exactly. He, he, he's going to he's going to fax himself over to you and <laughs> a facsimile. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, Charlie Stevens, formerly of Outrage, now of uh, Elise RC. Uh, developing a new helicopter called the Rush. He's going to come on and talk about that. And we are going to be bringing another female. We, we had Little Hammer on a while ago. She was pretty well received. We're going to be bringing in another female to kind of talk with us. I talked about her a little bit. Tam. Her name is Tam underscore T on the forums. Tammy. Uh, she's definitely she's she's funny, and uh, you guys are really going to enjoy her interview. Cool. And uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Other than that, hope you guys are enjoying the shows. Got any suggestions? Got any show ideas? People you want to talk to? Shoot us an email. Go to the Nation Network. Post it in there. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. We'll make it happen. We will make it so. Bring it to the forefront. <laughs> Bring it to the forefront. Alrighty, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will catch you next time. Reverse the not happen and make it to the happen. <laughs> 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 <laughs>